It's time to awaken your inner traveler and zip around the world as money is sent to the people who rely on it. Welcome to Money Travels, presented by Visa. The one in Blackwood, it's up in the hills. You drive up some windy roads. There's a little shopping complex with six other shops. Sarah Tooth owns two bookstores in Adelaide, Australia. There's now probably about 50,000 books in there. There's books on the floor. They're like all the way up to the ceiling. And kids come in and they just disappear running around squealing. It actually, for one period of time, was called the TARDIS because I don't know how Doctor Who illusions go in the US, but Doctor Who had a time travelled in a small telephone box that you'd walk into, but on the inside it was massive. Got that vibe. Sarah's bookshop might have an antiquated feel at home in Diagon Alley or the Shire, but there is one anachronistic tool powered by the latest innovations in money movement. When I got the shop, something else that I wanted to minimise was my dealing with banks and contracts because I'd run organisations and we were locked into the... It just felt really heavy, always negotiating, really clunky, having to sort of log into these systems and just doing things like refunds was really difficult and just for a small business was just not something that I wanted to do. So she did a bit of research and found a tool that made transactions seem particularly seamless. And it felt very light, very low risk and felt perfect for me. So it felt sort of philosophically and ethically like I wanted to do because I'm interested in people who are disrupting, you know, those old systems. Plus also it looks very cool amongst all these piles of old books. People go, wow, look at that. Welcome to Money Travels, presented by Visa. I'm Indre Viscontis. On this podcast, we follow the money as it zips around the world, enabling our fellow humans to survive and thrive. And we talk to the experts who are building the tools that will transform the next generation of money movement. In so many corners of the world, digital technology has made financial transactions seem slicker, easier, seemingly unencumbered. The fintech revolution has made it easier for small business owners like Sarah to manage the financial side of their business. From accepting payments from customers to paying their employees on time and helping businesses get access to their earnings faster. The meteoric rise of fintech companies that are behind these changes would not have been possible without the help of a network like Visa Direct. Visa Direct helps enable faster movement of money both within and across borders, serving as the infrastructure that helps many fintechs make better experiences and tools for their customers, like Sarah. But now that the fintech revolution is here, there's been an explosion of growth in the industry and a disruption of traditional financial services, one that even the most established banks can no longer ignore. Joining us for an in-depth conversation about the infrastructure behind this disruption is Anastasia Serakova, head of Visa Direct Europe, and Sturgios Tsalis, VP of Payments Experience at Nuve, a fintech enabler that has partnered with Visa Direct to provide their clients with access to fast payouts. Welcome to Money Travels, Anastasia and Sturgios. It's so great to have you on the show. Hi, Indra. Hi, Sturgios. Great to be here with you. Hi, both. Likewise. Thank you. So, Sergius, I'd like to start with you. If you could give us an idea of what Nuve does in money movement and how you use Visa Direct in your business. Nuve plays a critical role in enabling clients and different use cases for Visa Direct by providing 
the payment processing infrastructure, the technical integration, settlement and support services necessary for businesses to send and receive payments using Visa Direct's real-time rails. Unlike other providers, we offer a single API integration to facilitate those payouts across multiple regions. However, our solution is not only limited to APIs, we offer like hosted pages, SDKs, and other intelligent services for merchants, PSPs, Payfax, and any other qualified organization that wants to benefit from our services. So let me just dig a little deeper into that. If I'm a client of yours, tell me exactly how and when I would use Nuve. If you were a client of ours, you use Nuve actually to process the payments, right? So I will try to oversimplify it for people who are not very tech savvy or are not into payments that much. If you wanted to send money across borders or domestic, we would actually facilitate that payment flow. So we would get your money and deliver it to the endpoint that needs to go. So if you're sending money to a friend overseas, we take the money domestic and move the money across. And that is not as simple as it sounds. It takes various steps to make a transaction successful. So we would have to take the instruction, send it to Visa, the Visa send it to the schemes to get the authorization and eventually land the money into your account where it needs to go. So at the top of the show, we talked to a woman named Sarah Booth who runs a used bookstore in Adelaide. And she has just found that her business has become so much more mobile because of this sort of digital fintech revolution. If Sarah was one of your clients, can you tell us a little bit about how Nuve would work with her and what value add you would provide? So what we would do is we'd offer Sarah not an API, but a hosted page, which would be the ideal solution for a merchant of this kind to connect to our services and to utilize Visa Direct from there and be able to originate a transaction, whether this is an OCT or an AFT, a pull transaction or a push transaction to move the money where she wants the money to be moved to. So it sounds to me as though Nuve serves as the partner that interfaces with the customer or the client, Sarah in this case, and Visa Direct is the back end. How does Nuve and perhaps other fintechs benefit from working with Visa Direct? You're right. Visa Direct, it's more like the network of networks that facilitates that process. Nuve is the front end, I would say. Visa Direct is the network of networks like the middleware, essentially. And the issuers are essentially the back end making the decision and deciding whether they want to accept the transaction in that ecosystem. That's how I would position it. Anastasia, do you want to comment on what Sergius has been saying and how Visa Direct helps fintechs like Nuve deliver to their clients? Yeah, sure. So I think as everything in the world, everything evolves and payments evolve extremely quickly is probably one of these industries that undergone a significant transformation in the past, let's say, five years. We've seen an emergence of lots of fintechs Everything from open banking, on open finance, crypto, digital first remitters, everything related to marketplaces, gig economy, and all of these new players, they need this modern payments experience. And what is modern payments experience? It's all about being real time or near real time. It's about transparency on, let's say, effects rates, on different fees, and it's about certainty what amount will arrive, when it's going to arrive. And Visa Direct has been the network behind a lot of this evolution. Yeah, I can imagine if you miss any one of those features, that if there's another competitor that's providing all three, you would really lose out. 
Can you tell us a little bit about what industries you're seeing growing interest in these fast payouts? I think you're right in terms of if you miss one of these features, then your users will be disappointed. But there is also a bit about user expectations. So of course, across the world, users expect maybe different types of settlement, different type of transparency. But I would say that Europe is really at the forefront. A lot of our consumers are used to real-time payments, almost for free payments, and a lot of transparency because of the modern fintechs. But in terms of industries or areas where they expect this cutting-edge user experience, I would call out remittances. And this is also the use case which I'm most passionate about because it's sending money to your loved ones, your friends abroad. It's very often helping them in a difficult situation. So that's an extremely important use case. And the one where being timely and transparent is critical. We also see it in peer-to-peer payments, which are typically payments to your friends, maybe to your colleagues for your joint experiences, but that's kind of inside your own country. This is not cross-border. We see a lot of transformation in payments in gig economy. So, of course, we all use food delivery, ride-sharing. We use a lot of marketplaces. And in these areas, the expectation from the users, but also from the professionals who provide their services in these areas, they do expect real-time payout. It's not an economy where you will be waiting for your salary for, for 30 days. We see an emergence of digital wallets. And of course, digital wallets, they are all about this sleek UX, about instant experiences. So of course, they would be using Visa Direct for this as well. Insurance is the industry which is probably more conservative, but we also see that globally a lot of insurance companies are going into instant payouts to the cars or to the accounts of their clients. And then lots and lots. I can be arranging these examples forever. I mean, it's really interesting to hear the range of industries that are growing. I wonder if you could tell us about the impact that Brexit perhaps has had on the ease of payments within Europe or between the UK and Europe, and what role before there was Brexit, the whole economic zone, the European Union had in becoming a kind of leader in this sphere. In terms of payments and financial services, one of the main impacts it's had, it's probably slowing down the innovation and also making it more difficult for let's call it smaller, but more disruptive, more agile players to act in this geography, because typically they would have needed to have just one license and licenses are associated with costs, with people resources, with the time to get regulatory approvals. And now, of course, it's more complex. So these emerging players who actually change the way finance works it becomes more difficult for them to scale. And they have to be really picky about the countries they launch in. So I think that's where I've seen the impact. And therefore, as a result of that, the end user will also experience this probably some, let's call it open finance, open banking experience will come to them later. It might be one, two, three years of delay in them getting access to this superior experiences that these newer players provide. I think you, Anastasia, brought up a very interesting point with Brexit and slowdown in terms of fintech growing in the business. What new way does very well 
is we can solve that problem. We have global presence. We have licensing across different jurisdictions and countries. So we're licensed, for instance, across Europe, the UK, in the US, AP, and we are continuously expanding, right? We are not limited to specific countries, which means that as a client, as a merchant who wants to do real-time payouts, you can do a single connection and you can have a global presence. And I think that's a truly unique proposition. What's equally important and why companies like the one we use, the example we used in the beginning, like a small bookshop, is they want to go to the market quite fast, right? They cannot afford to wait six, four months for a provider, for an acquirer, for a processor to evaluate their business case and take them live. We offer seamless onboarding and support regardless of your region. As I said, we are global. We have one integration for your payment needs. If we are talking even for crypto, which I think Anastasia just mentioned, there is additional complexity with regulation, with on-ramps and off-ramps. We can facilitate all those different areas. And most importantly, for all those small businesses, but most importantly for the biggest ones, we have one back-office tool to manage all your back-office transactions. So I think that's why it's important for a partner to consider Nuve as a global partner. So we've heard a little bit about Europe and the UK. I wonder if you could talk about Asia-Pacific. What are some of the industries in the Asia-Pacific region, Sergios, that you have seen a growing interest in faster payouts in? The industries that uh, quite on the rise is obviously insurance, as Anastasia mentioned, for local payouts. Definitely the gig economy is on the rise and there is a lot of demand. And I will tell you why all those use cases are somehow linked between them. For instance, gig economy, as I mentioned, there is a lot of demand from gig workers to get paid instantly, but also in a flexible time frame. So let's say someone is doing on a part-time basis is a taxi driver in Australia. It's very important for them to get access to their money when they really need the money. And that might be through the month. Sometimes these workers, they cannot wait for their normal billing life cycle to get their money. And once they get the money instantly, then they can move to another use case, which is P2P, send their money to their relatives. So it's, it's a chain connected that facilitates money movement globally. That's why it's important. That's a really good point. That person who gets paid as soon as they finish their work can then pass along part of that money to a loved one or a peer as they need it. So it sort of increases the speed at which money moves in many different areas, not just the person who's getting the payout. Sturgios, I wonder if you could walk us through a use case like that, maybe a typical one or one that you've seen your clients be particularly grateful for the services that Nuve provides. I will talk to you about this particular one. I will add a little bit more flavor. Like definitely the earned wage access is a use case that we're getting a lot of demand the last month, especially. As I said, we all understand that workers, especially in certain industries, they want faster, flexible access to their wages, right? They cannot wait. They want to be able to claim part or all of their salary outside of the normal uh, payroll cycle because they have needs. Their car might be broken down. They need to pay the insurance for the car. They operate. They might have to do a regular service. So it's very important for them and their employees to pay them under flexible terms, but in real time when the request is made. And that guarantees several things. First of all, it guarantees that these people can stay in the business for a longer time. It retains productivity if you know you're going to get paid whenever you need to get paid. It's also important for mental health. So there, there are various reasons for facilitating those payments in real time. I just wanted to reiterate the importance of faster payments for the gig economy participants, because a lot of this workforce is using gig economy as their secondary income when they experience some urgent cash need or cash flow gap. Often it is in the beginning of the school year when you need to buy so many things for your children. So 
when people come into these temporary jobs, be it drive sharing or food delivery or even content creators, they do need money urgently. So that's why I think the technology like ours, Visa Direct, and the company like New Way, who is enabling this for the merchants and for this big marketplace players is so important. Anastasia, can you tell us about a new product that Visa is launching that will make this even more useful for people? We are now launching payouts to digital wallets. So if you think of digital wallets, there are a lot of companies like this across the world, and they're typically domestic in one or two countries. And we have a huge network of those wallets. There are a lot of them in Asia Pacific, but there are a lot of them also in Sub-Saharan Africa, in Latin America. And what it means, it's kind of, it's taking a step change in payments and in financial experiences, because a lot of, not only individuals, but even small and medium businesses, they now operate not through bank accounts necessarily, but through having this digital wallet profile, digital wallet account. So paying out to those is the new capability. And we're really excited and the clients are very excited. And even when we talk to European clients, they say, yes, I have suppliers in Asia. So I'm very, very interested in this new capability. Yeah. And for the end users, that just gives us so much more flexibility that you can choose where and how much you put money in different accounts or two different people. So that seems to be a real sort of qualitative change in facility of money movement. Sergios, I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about this cash flow issue that Anastasia mentioned, especially when it comes to small businesses or merchants. This could have a really huge impact on how quickly they are able to grow their business. If they can buy more supplies more immediately, that seems to be a real benefit in this very digital, fast-moving economy. Definitely. It's Eastern Western Settlement. This, for instance, one use case we are uh, investing time and we see a lot of interest from potential merchants, especially SMBs, that they want to settle quite quickly so they can uh, order supplies for the next day, pay some of their workers, etc. So Visa Direct is a great network and especially solves a lot of problems around money movement in a sense. Together with Invade, there are a few key areas that make money movement quite difficult, right? Especially cross-border is a heavy regulation. So regulation is very difficult and can be a blocker to move money cross-border. And at New Way, we are experts of the local regulation. And when it comes to moving money abroad, we have the necessary license and we know what is required in its country to move money quickly. But equally, we understand the ecosystem quite well. So we have the systems and the files in place and the APIs our clients can use to understand real time what's the eligibility criteria from issuers to accept payments in a fast funds manner. Anastasia, can you tell us more about some of the new opportunities for fintechs in particular that Visa Direct provides. We've talked about how the new products launching can help the end users, but what about the benefits of working with Visa Direct for fintechs themselves? I'd say a lot of the fintechs that we know these days from large US giants to our European unicorns who's now gone well beyond the unicorn status. They have Visa Direct empowering them on the back end. The benefits that Visa Direct provides to this fintech is payments to their cards. And then we also have the account side. And as I said before, digital wallet capability. And this is the experience 
that these fintechs would like to provide to their users, right? So the moment you click the button, the money has arrived to you. And not only within the same currency, but also cross-border transfers. That's what they can offer using Visa Direct Trails. And of course, some of those fintechs can also charge extra for this premium user experience. And then needless to say is fraud and risk controls of Visa. I mean, I can imagine if I'm the founder of a new fintech and I'm trying to compete with an established financial institution, I have to give something to the client that's going to entice them to my product. There's a big social side to a lot of these new fintechs where there's a sense that you're interacting socially, not just financially, amongst users of that particular product. And in order to make that successful, of course, you need it to be secure but also very fast. But is there anything specific to Visa Direct that you think would be an enticement to someone who's starting out, especially in this social money movement area? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because indeed Visa Direct is behind a lot of the social elements. So some of the most advanced cutting edge players, and typically those are in the space of digital wallets, they allow you to send money using, let's say, either just a card number or mobile phone or sometimes even just a tag of the person in the system. And this is enabled by Visa Direct. But what it creates is this more casual relationship with money transfers rather than it being official. So you don't need to provide your sort code, bank account number and postcode anymore. If your mobile phone number is already in the address book of the person who is sending the money, that's it, right? Your name just pops up and you can click send to this money. But when it becomes even more interesting is when you can actually do it, sending money to the other countries. And this is where it's going. I cannot say that this experience is available everywhere across, let's say, Europe or the United States now, but it's definitely where the ecosystem is going and something what we will see as being a much more common user experience in, in two or three years. Yeah, I mean, one of the use cases that I recently had was I put my kid in a ski lesson and he had one instructor in the morning and a different one in the afternoon. And so when I wanted to tip the instructor, I didn't even see the instructor from the morning. So it's not like I could hand over cash and they would know, oh, that's from this kid. So instead, I was able to use one of these social financial money movement apps and write into it, this is from my kid with a little smiley face. And so it felt much more personal. And yeah, it was, it was a totally different experience, I think, than I would have had before these things existed. Sergios, we are talking about some of the sort of cutting edge use cases in money movement here amongst fintechs and Visa Direct as partnership. And one of the other areas that I think people are really interested in is cryptocurrency. What is the infrastructure there that Nuve provides? And is that something that they can do? Nuve, first of all, let me start by saying has its own blockchain ecosystem that obviously has evolved over time. We were actually one of the first providers to be able to successfully process crypto-related transactions globally, not just in Europe, when crypto became the hot thing. Crypto transactions are not easy to handle, and Anastasia knows that very well. To guarantee the best user experience with high authorization rates and acceptance from issuers, a lot of work is taking place behind the scenes, and we are doing all that. Our operations department gets involved, product finance, compliance, 
legal and many other things, right? It's a, if you think about it, it's like a puzzle with thousand pieces, which you need to put together. And I'm talking specifically about the crypto use case you, you just mentioned. We have done this successfully over time. Our process platform is connected directly to Visa Direct, and we are able to process pull and push transactions for crypto-related transactions, wallets, wallet top-ups, buying crypto, and also if you want to sell your assets and get back your fiat, we are able to facilitate that journey end-to-end. We offer a single API integration to merchants and all the relevant KYC ML processes in place to guarantee the successful delivery of those transactions. On top of the processing capabilities I just described, we are in a very unique position to have our own exchange and liquidity provider which can help customers get a unified experience at reduced cost. Because obviously, if you use a processing entity like NewVame, then you want to use exchange and a different liquidity provider, the cost adds up. But we can save a lot of the potential cost for potential clients by bundling all those services together. So can you just clarify the relationship between Nuve, Visa Direct, and crypto? So just to make it clear, we just facilitate the money movement. So what Nuve will do is take fiat money through the card payment and pass that to an exchange and subsequently to the liquidity provider who will actually buy or sell the crypto. And then Uve and Visa will also facilitate the last leg. Once the asset is sold, let's say a Bitcoin or a Ethereum coin, what will happen is Uve will be responsible for processing the payment back to the cardholder. So let's say you sold Bitcoins worth of $1,000. Uve will be responsible for pushing the money, those $1,000, back to your Visa debit card. We've also seen an explosion in the gaming industry. Can you tell us, Sergios, about Nuve's work in gaming and whether this is an industry that's growing and how you're positioned to benefit from that? Gaming is an industry that explodes year by year. Let's not forget gaming is the most regulated industry in the world. Payments play a big role in that. You need the payments partnered with deep knowledge of regulated markets and global presence. And Uve has been supporting the industry successfully for more than 20 years. Our reputation over there is second to none. Payouts are more important for customers than payings in many cases. There is a lot of research that says that people will never deposit unless they are 100% convinced that they can get their money out quickly, safely, and cheaply in most cases. Furthermore, in the gaming industry, you have VIP high volume players. So for those players, it's even more important, not only that they can deposit their money, but they can withdraw quickly because they move finances between multiple accounts to find the best odds, which relies on instant payments, essentially. Anastasia, I wonder, I mean, you, you can feel free to add anything to what Sergius has said about gaming or crypto, but I also want to talk about scalability and how scalability impacts the success of fintechs and how Visa Direct can help in that front. If we think about fintechs, that target customers is still just a certain percent of population. There are, as we know, the population typically <laughs> is divided into early adopters, then fast movers, and then mass adoption. So I would say that the majority of fintechs that we're seeing now that are maybe less than a decade old, they will be used by early adopters and then fast followers. And this is still just a certain percent of population. So therefore, if those companies want to grow, and also if they have a unique business model, then the approach for them is actually not to grow inside a certain country, but to take it to their next priority countries. 
and capture this most lucrative and probably most advanced, but also very often it's more financially interesting percent of population that they're going after across the world. And we're seeing that a lot of fintechs have this race to expand to as many countries as possible before someone else copies and launches their model. So that's, I think, where we now see them scaling. And this seems to be easier rather than trying to penetrate across the vertical of the population in, in any particular country. And I'm sure it's a very competitive market. So how are fintechs differentiating around the world or even within the countries that you're most familiar with? I would say user experience and functionality is one. And we would have seen the race of this fintechs offering different financial management tool, different investment assets, variety of these investment assets offering just the U.S. stocks or the U.S. and European stocks or the U.S. and Asian stocks with the number of cryptocurrencies. Some of the fintechs are offering precious metals and some other commodities. The other one is the sophistication of the financial management tools. So everything, managing your budget, forecasting, making savings easier. That's how they compete as well. But I would also highlight a very important area of competition is trust. So publicity, their reputation, the user experience. So that's the customer service is always available and resolves any issues quickly. That is probably paramount that the fintechs who've managed to gain trust from their users and who therefore acquire customers, not for some kind of customer acquisition tools, but by word of mouth, those are the ones who will win in the long run. And I imagine, yeah, it's likely that once you find a financial tool that you trust, you're going to stick with it. So there's a kind of longevity there. But if you don't, <laughs> you're not going to even test it out if you don't have that trust. So I think, yeah, I think that's really important. Are there any regional trends that you have seen that might help fintechs decide where they might grow their industries or grow their businesses? I would say regional trends are always interesting, but also what's, <laughs> I think what's more interesting for us as global company, and I, I'm sure same for New Way, is actually what trends we are seeing across the world. And I think a few of those trends we've already touched on today, emergence of digital wallets, but I would even call them not kind of moving from digital wallets into super apps and going into the direction of open finance. So it's not open banking anymore. It's kind of much broader ecosystem. And that's what's interesting. The second trend is about crypto. As we discussed, it's kind of going into a lot of areas of life. And even now, maybe we're in the crypto winter environment. It is here to stay. The regulation, the compliance with different regulation will become much better and much, much more robust. And this will enable the industry to grow. We also see a lot of this kind of gig economy, shared economy and marketplaces emerging. And so there might be something starting, let's say, in Southeast Asia, but then either expanding into the other regions or some other competitors picking up and launching similar models. And I think we've mentioned gaming before, but I think everything which is related to digital content creation, including these digital platforms of some specialist workforce, such as developers, this is also becoming 
kind of a global technology trend in a way. Anastasia, can you tell us how Visa Direct can support governments, especially in areas in which there is a crisis? This has been a very promising area for us and something we think will benefit the whole of the society. We already have some amazing examples. Some governments were using us for distributing funds after natural disasters as a natural disaster relief funds. We're also discussing with some governments to use Visa Direct for tax refunds because, again, it's so much faster and easier than sending the checks and gives people kind of an incentive to also fill out the tax forms. This is an amazing area. Of course, the systems that governments use to pay citizens are complex and any experience like this takes months, if not years, to create. But we've definitely seen it and and that's where it will also probably move in the near future. So looking to the future, Sturgios, what do you see as some of the new areas of focus for fintech? For me, diversification is for uh, in the future. Fintechs will need to be able to support various use cases, various verticals. Just sticking to one as they used to do in the past is not good enough. So there were like companies that started supporting only gaming or only P2P money movement. That's not enough. You need to be able to support various verticals, especially if you want to move into the global space. Obviously, utilizing modern technology, obviously crypto, as Anastasia mentioned, and, and I agree, is winter now for crypto. But I think the technology behind crypto remains promising, the blockchain technology. So building technology around the blockchain or using microservices, etc., is where Fintechs should continue to invest a lot of their resources and effort. And obviously, I would say, do never underestimate customer support. Customer support is where we'll bring, retain your customers and also bring more references for new business. So investing in, in customer support is really important. And I would say one more thing with the evolution of cross-border payments and obviously Visa Direct is a network with various use cases that are supporting cross-border payments. There is an increased demand for receiving institutions, and I'm talking about banks and issuers, to be able to bring transactions real time. So Creating solutions that will help those receiving institutions to screen transactions real-time will make this money movement even smoother. So when money travels, we like to end each episode with some rapid-fire questions. So if you're both ready, I'm going to start now. Sergios, how do you think Gen Z will change money movement or our financial future more generally? I would say three areas. Technology, social responsibility, entrepreneurship. Anastasia, if you could invent a new fintech, what would it do? It would be something around financial well-being, probably delivered through education and some kind of nudges and discipline. Anastasia, what do you think is overrated when it comes to financial technology? I'd say blockchain is overrated. The technology is genius, but it's taken significant time to see the adoption at scale and, and real benefits from this invention. Can't argue with that. Sturgios, what aspect of money movement is more complicated than most people think? Regulation by far. And here's for either one of you. Can you predict the future of money movement with a single catchy phrase? Will be invisible, secure, and low cost. Data will move money cross-border faster. Thanks to Sturgios and Anastasia for coming on the show today. And to Sarah Tooth, 
for illustrating how even an old type of service, like exchanging used books, can benefit from the digital revolution. If you're enjoying Money Travels, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review so that more people can find the show. And maybe tell a friend, too. Until next time, I'm Indre Viscontis, and this has been Money Travels, presented by Visa. Visa.